Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry, and today I spent five hours making tiny fluffy bunny hands for a super secret stop motion project. This week I'm chatting with Vian Van Bergen, art director and co-founder of South African animation studio, Lucan. In our chat, you'll learn about Asora, their first IP, about a young girl on a mission to save the sea turtles. And what makes this series really unique behind the scenes is that Vian designed their own real-time pipeline using Unreal Engine, something I haven't heard of before, and it's actually incredible since it allows them to see what the final product will look like as they're working on it. Vian is actually gonna talk a lot about how he's integrating the latest tech into his projects. Plus he's gonna get into his own personal journey of starting a special effects projection side hustle, which led to co-founding Lucan in the first place, which has now serviced some of the biggest brands in the world, including Nike, Coca-Cola, and Mustang. But first, this episode is sponsored by the awesome team at startastudio.com. Startastudio Studio is a new online school focused on the business side of animation. They have both free and paid courses, an online community, and downloads to help you succeed in your animation career and build your own cool, creative, and viable animation studio. You can use the unique discount code AIP as an animation industry podcast in the checkout to save 20% on their popular Pro Studio startup course. So whether you're looking to up your freelance game or plan and launch your own animation company, check out startastudio.com and all the details are in the description of this chat. So please check them out. Now let's jump into the chat. Hi, Vian. Thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you? Hey, Terry. It's a pleasure to be on your show. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about uh, Luca and your studio and Asora, the series that you have under development and also what the industry is like in South Africa, because I've never spoken to anybody from South Africa before. So I've actually, oh, you haven't been to South Africa. Do you know anyone that's in Cape Town? Like that's where we're based in Cape Town. Nice. No, I've never been and I don't, I don't, I've never spoken to anybody from there either. So this is, this is a first for me. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we can start by just giving an overview of what's, uh, so you have an animation studio, obviously, but uh, how big is the industry? in Cape Town or South Africa in general? I mean, it's, a, it's quite a healthy industry, I can say that. <clears throat> We've got amazing, amazing talent here. Um, and uh, I guess the rest of the world knows that because they're shopping with dollars and our, our currency is uh, quite weak compared to that. So they're getting amazing talent for not a lot, I would say sometimes. Um, we've got incredible studios here, anything from like feature animation films to VFX houses, a lot of like smaller studios that work on TV commercials. Um, yeah, and I must say, I feel like the amount of work available is, is, um, is a lot. It's definitely a healthy industry at the moment, it feels, seems like. Nice. Are there, is it, is it like there are a lot of schools in animation set up to kind of feed the industry there? Or do you work with a lot of people who come there specifically for it? Um, sure, to be honest, and I don't really, really want to step on toes, but um, I mean, there are the one or two schools that's um, decent, you know, but um, I feel that's an area where there's definitely room for improvement if you compare it to the rest of the world, um, you know, just in the States or in Europe. Um, I feel like the curriculums they offer sometimes feel a bit old school still, teaching the same things, not expanding, you know. Um, so, yeah, I feel there's room for improvement, but I mean, as a, as a starting point, it's definitely enough. I feel like a lot of the guys, and I mean like any industry, I guess you learn a lot when you're on the job or most of the time you learn when you're on the job, so. Nice, yeah, and, and I'm just curious, if there's like 3D, 2D, maybe some stop motion. <laughs> yeah, like definitely 3D. So I studied, uh, we can chat about that now where I studied yeah, yeah. and all of that, but um, I, the, the school, definitely a couple of 3D schools around. Um, 
2D. I'm not too familiar, actually. Like, there are some guys that teach After Effects and Toon Boom and that kind of stuff, but uh, it's not like um, Goblins or anything like that. Um, yeah, so there's definitely a mix. I feel like uh, compositing and that kind of thing and art direction is not really something that uh, you can find here. But I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> there's so many online courses that I feel like if I had to do it over again, I would probably, you know, just uh, do everything online. Yeah. Well, let's, let's chat about what you would have done over again. What did you originally <laughs> do to get into this? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, you know, uh, where do we start? So I guess, yeah, like high school. Um, I'm going to take you a long way around. So just re reel me back if, uh, if, if I stretch right. you off. Okay. I'll sit back <laughs> here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so in high school, uh, I, I guess you can say I was a bit of a jock, you know, <laughs> I was uh, very into, into like sports and hanging out with friends and grouping around, but um, definitely had like an artistic side, you know, that I kind of kept to myself and uh, because none of my mates really cared about anything artistic, you know, so um, I remember after school, we would, I would spend hours and hours just like drawing and sketching and doing charcoal work and graphite. So it's something that I really loved. Um, and then when it came, uh, when it came time to uh, decide what I'm going to do after school, like what I'm going to study, you know, I thought, yeah, well, maybe like architecture, you know, that's something I can use my draftsman skills there, you know, didn't give it a lot of thought, which is quite scary because uh, it takes about seven years to become an architect. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, so during that time, I remember um, I went to the cinema and I watched Finding Nemo. And I was like absolutely blown away. Like something about that film just captured me. And I knew that like, that's something I want to be a part of or, or just a team of like making that. So um, after that, I went to my mom. I said, listen, please find a place in South Africa where you can study animation. And I wasn't even sure if something like that existed. And um, luckily there was a place that I mentioned earlier in Cape Town uh, that offered like a three-year animation course. So um, yeah, I signed up. And uh, after finishing school, I immediately started. And um, yeah, I really loved it. But an interesting thing is that I, I realized that I actually didn't enjoy making characters move, um, like the animation part of things. Um, I really enjoyed making a beautiful image. So yeah, I feel like um, that's also like something that we didn't get the opportunity to explore further in the, in the course, you know, like we kind of were not forced, but like encouraged to like, you know, pursue physical animation, making stuff move. I mean, I do find it fascinating, like the, 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 the practice. Um, it's just not something that appealed to me that much. When you say a beautiful picture, do you mean like concept artwork and character design and things like that? Um, I would say more like an art direction side. So like okay. what, is, what makes a beautiful image, like, uh, like good composition, good value structure, color, lighting, that kind of stuff. I mean, back then, I didn't really know all of these terms or anything, but I just knew what looked good and what didn't. So I guess, I guess that's always been something that I really enjoyed doing is, is, is crafting an image. And then um, after school, after studying there, I started working at this small little um, production house. And they mainly focus on Nigerian TV commercials. And uh, I don't know if any of your listeners have actually worked on a Nigerian TV commercial. But um, you would know that the ideas are huge and the timeline is very short. So I was definitely in the deep end there. Um, learned so much. I was actually the only 3D guy there. So I remember my boss would just chuck a, a brief on my desk and say, off you go, you've got a week. And then I had to like learn everything from scratch. Like, uh, um, you know, like 
liquid sims and uh, um, like particles and lighting and comping, which was great for someone learning, you know, that's what I said, you learn a lot on the job. Um, so and I also learned what I didn't like, which I feel is super valuable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, on the side, I started hustling a couple of jobs, you know, freelance work. I mean, when you're young, you don't need to sleep, right? <laughs> you can just work through the night. Through the night. And um, yeah, I actually started getting quite busy, the freelance work. And um, uh, my, my, my housemate at the time, Badner, he's also my business partner at Lucan. Um, he, um, him and I started tackling jobs together. And uh, I remember telling my boss, okay, cool, I've got a dentist appointment. And then we would rush off to the house and set up like a fake office with like fake desks and like computer screens that are not even plugged in. And um, yeah, they would get the, and we bought like a fancy coffee machine. And then uh, we got the clients over and then had like a little meeting and then straight back to work. Wait, um, so you brought, you brought clients over to your apartment? Yeah, like our and fake, like, our fake work office. Like, this is our studio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> fake, and they, they didn't make rent at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, maybe maybe the clients knew it was like a fake setup, but I think they just kept quiet. I don't know. But I mean, we got so much. I mean, my my boss must think I had the worst teeth because um, I had to go to the dentist like every month. <laughs> oh my gosh! So what kind of? Okay, so what kind of? You said freelance, and when I think freelance, I'm thinking like somebody's commissioning you to draw their sister a christmas gift or but these sound like legit commercial ideas yeah so, so maybe freelance is like the wrong term but um what we actually did a lot of um was projection mapping i don't know if you've seen any projection mapping work before just maybe you can just kind of give the gist of it yeah sure so basically it's um using massive projectors sometimes the size of a small car or even a series of them and we would project onto like buildings or cars or any object. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if you've seen like sometimes, you know, that's that street art. And if you stand it on a certain perspective, you get that illusion yeah. of depth. But when you move, like the image is completely distorted and that illusion is broken. So we would use that principle and project onto buildings with obviously light. And you can get this amazing illusion of, of depth and perspective from one angle. But when you move around, obviously that's broken. And um, not to blow my own horn, but uh, I think we did some of the best projection mapping work at the time in South Africa because we had this film and uh, TV commercial background. And a lot of the guys at the time, they, um, you know, they were hobbyists and they, that they would map a bowling and then, you know, just throw like a window screensaver kind of thing onto the building, just pretty lights and stuff. So we took it quite serious. Um, so we did quite a bit of jobs. So and, how do, um, I'm, I'm curious, how do you go from uh, I'm, I'm new at a studio, I'm the only 3D guy to being known for 3D projection mapping? Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the, that timeline, that's about a, like a three year timeline that, that I kind of compressed there. But um, like I say, like we just did it so well. And like people really recognize like the kind of work that we do. It's you, um, had, you had experience in this before? because of like your architecture or like your, your day job? Like how did you suddenly be like, now I'm a projection guy? Oh, um, yeah, so obviously we've got the experience of like creating like 3D stuff for like visual effects for the TV commercials we did. And like the projection mapping side of things was just like late nights research and like figuring stuff out and like building like little um, boxes with polystyrene and doing little tests. And it was such a fun time actually, because you figured all this stuff out and then we kind of, we made like a little proof of concept video. We 
and we sent that to like all the event companies and then yeah people just started like contacting us for, nice. for work well, you, you already had a very entrepreneurial kind of spirit from the get-go yeah i would definitely say that i think both my parents are like business people so i think i got that from them okay so so how did you go from this uh you know you had your day job you had a lot of dentist appointments you're doing this thing on the side with projection mapping how did you end up co-founding a a, a I guess a large studio that is now producing a series has pro produced a bunch of um, uh, commercial work, et cetera. Like that seems. Yeah. Like yeah. So um, during that time when we did all the mapping stuff, um, one of our big clients, he, he owned a, um, he owns a events company. He called us in and said, listen, you guys have something special. Um, you know, why don't I invest in you guys? Like we start our own little company, quit your jobs and then we can, you know, I can probably float you guys for the beginning because we're going into season. We'll, we'll get a lot of jobs and I can definitely give you all the jobs we get. And we start growing the company from there. And we were like, dude, that is awesome. That's the best news ever. Like next day, handed in our resignations. You know, we, we're still young. So like, what's the worst that can happen actually? Um, and then, yeah, we, we, a classic bootstrap story, I guess. We started like in a very small, dingy little office and, started growing the team um, and that was about like nine years ago so we definitely grew a bit from there and like pivoted with the type of work we do but um it's always nice to think back to those days nice so this is the same company now um, yeah lucan okay so so let's chat about some of your current projects there obviously <laughs> specifically one current project of topic <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, so, I'm sure we'll chat about isora that's our, our baby um but um, the type of, type of work we do, we, we still do a lot of TV commercial kind of work, but the last couple of years, um, and it's something that we really enjoy, is we're doing a lot more long format stuff like brand films and, um, you know, like uh, trailer development, IP development, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, which gives you a lot of creative freedom, I would say, and that's what we like to do. Um, and uh, the type of projects, not all our projects, but the, um, our, our favorite projects are usually the ones with a cause which is interesting. So we've done work with the United Nations for women abuse. Um, one of our um, clients that we've been working with for the last like two, three years is um, it's, uh, it's um, they do video for stroke prevention. So that's kind of a big cause for us. Like um, we create content that um, make people aware of the symptoms of stroke. Um, so that's been within the studio for, for such a long time. And, the, and the, the campaign's name is FAST. It's like the acronym for um, you know, the symptoms you can see. So F is for your, if your face starts drooping, A, if your arm starts drooping, S, if your speech start, becomes incoherent, and T means for like the faster you act, a better um, chance of survival, so for time. So yeah, we've had the fast characters. You can check it out on our website. They've been with us for the last three years, so, and hopefully for the next three years. Yeah, they're like these cool superhero kids yeah. and, and grandpas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So how, how big is the team now? I mean, you started, you said you, you've got the bootstrap thing going and now uh, it's been nine years later, right? Yeah, so we, we are, we're a small studio actually. Um, we're about 12 people. Um, and I, I don't think we ever really want to grow too large. Um, the reason is, for example, we don't have a specific style. You know, like we, people don't come to us for a style. They come to us with a problem and we solve that problem with whatever we need to. For example, with Isora, that's not something we've really done before. But the best part about Isora for me was like we got to cherry pick like artists from around the world um, to work with us, and yeah. we kind of conceptualized everything as we went along. Um, so and yeah, so we kind of scale with the requirements of a project. 
I'm surprised there's only 12 people because, you know, I've watched the Asura trailer and it's it looks like there'll be a lot more people behind it. Like it's it's got this amazing, beautiful background and this 2D animation on top and everything. Um, so I'm, I'm impressed. How do you, uh, I don't know if you can share this, but like, how do you go about, uh, did somebody come to you and ask, commission you to make this or did you pitch this idea yourself? So um, Isora started as a conservation project um, in on an island off the coast of Mozambique. Okay. So Mozambique is in Southern Africa. It's, it's uh, bordered by the Indian Ocean. Um, it's a very remote island called Fire Island, and specifically, it's a, a turtle conservation project. And um, they actually reached out to us, being an animation studio, with this idea that I thought that we thought was so cool. So basically, what they wanted to do was, um, you know, they want to get the the, the story of uh, turtle conservation to the most remote areas of Mozambique. So what they planned was to rig these massive overlander trucks, rig them with screens, drive to these remote areas, set up over a weekend, and then educate youngsters about the importance of turtle conservation and ocean conservation by using these animations as a tool. That's a really that's a really cool idea. I can't see yeah, anybody how cool is that? watch them. So and then um, it's done through like narrative story and like magic and and like uh, folklore and stuff too, right? Pardon? It, and, and the story well, is told through like, it's a narrative, it's a narrative film. Yeah. Or a series yeah, yeah. told through like folklore. So, um, so, so when we started, we, we took the project on. Um, Andrew's also a, a partner in Lucan and him and Clayton Kosky, um, they are co-creators of the show. They started writing and developing the story and the story just became so epic and the idea just so big. We soon realized that we can't isolate this just to this once off event for select few people. We have to make like a, a full on series about this. So we got other writers on board um, and we ended up writing 13 episodes of 22 minutes each. Um, we even developed like a whole cast of other characters tackling other conservation issues like rhino poaching in Tanzania and deforestation and effects it has on chimpanzees. So it just grew and grew. And then, um, yeah, we made this trailer as a, as a pitching tool, I guess. Um, and it got some attention around the world and some very positive feedback. And um, yeah, that is, I'm very excited about where things are at the moment with, uh, with the show. So what are, what are next steps at this point? <sighs> funding, the money. <laughs> Yeah, so we kind of in a, a look, uh, sourcing funding. Um, we have and, and the turtle conservation um, project is is totally one hundred percent on with this idea and everything. They're like, we're good. Yeah, no, that's still going. I mean, more funding and everything, everything like that. No, the turtle conservation project is is still going. It's got a lot of um, attention as well. Um, yeah, it just that also grew like like a wildfire. Um, so. We spoke to most of the um, the prominent like stream streaming services, some private investors. Um, we do have uh, a very prominent uh, director that's uh, quite interested, and we are also considering maybe doing indie funding um, with our network that we have. So, yeah, it's in a very it's in a very exciting space. We're not exactly sure what's what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks, but um, yeah, the, the point is we just really want to make this with the right partners. Nice. You mentioned that you reached out to a number of artists that you wanted to work with and kind of cherry picked. Like, how did you do that? You just went out into Instagram and LinkedIn and whatever, or do you have a good network of artists? Like, how do you, how does somebody who really wants to work on something like this 
for your studio or a different studio uh, get to work on something like this? <laughs> yeah, so specifically for Isora, um, we can definitely chat about like the process and the art direction side of things, but um, how we, when we decided on what the style is for the, for the show, um, I just reached out, Andrew, he handled more the, the character side of things, so he just reached out on a lot of people that we found on um, ArtStation that kind of suited mm. the style that we want. And I did the same on ArtStation um, just for backgrounds. And, you know, we picked a, a bunch of people, um, had like just chats with them, um, Zoom calls, I guess. That was even before the days of COVID when remote working was like not even a, <laughs> a big thing in our studio. Um, so we had like all these interviews, a lot of Russian dudes, such awesome people to work with. Um, yeah, and then we just kind of picked the people that we felt like um, made a good fit you know, to the style that we wanted. Man, I haven't even heard of, I mean, I know ArtStation, I've been all over it, but I, I thought it was like kind of a, this thing that's going kind of trending downwards versus other social <laughs> medias like Instagram kind of taking off. So that's good to hear that uh, you go yeah. on ArtStation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, the, yeah, we definitely, we definitely found a lot of people on ArtStation. Obviously on Instagram, I don't know, I don't know if it's a thing, but as soon as a person starts reaching like a certain amount of followers on Instagram, I think they rage just shoot up dramatically so yeah. instagram is always a tough one to find the right people like we've experienced the last couple of years plus it's hard to get in touch with people after they reach like 20, <laughs> 20 followers because they just have so many dms <laughs> yeah exactly nice do you want to talk about uh, your involvement in the art direction and kind of the unique styles that you put together for this because it, it it's visually very compelling and yeah sure we can definitely chat about that um so we definitely took a very interesting approach with Isora. Um, I can just tell a little bit of a, like a, like take a little bit of a loop. So we went to the Ottawa Animation Festival. Um, I don't know if you've been there. It's in, you're based in Canada, I, right? I haven't been, I've been online this past, yeah. uh, this past Ottawa Anima Animation Festival because <laughs> it's <just> COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we went um, and then we met this, uh, this, this lady, incredible person, um, Archida. She owns a company, or she's part of a company, um, ED Films. Um, it was by chance, like literally like at a, at a lunch, like a networking lunch, and she happens to sit next to me. Um, she showed, showed us her, their work, and I was also blown away. It was just like, I'm, I'm a more of a 3D guy, but I appreciate good 2D so much. Um, and they, uh, she showed me their latest project. It was a three bear, giant bear. And um, it's just this beautiful 2D aesthetic. And we started chatting and she started um, talking about what they do at their studio. And they also develop a lot of plugins for, for Maya and for After Effects and Photoshop. Um, and she showed me this one where you can just by the click of a button, you know, export stuff from Photoshop to Maya and get all your artwork on cards with transparency, you know, set up. So you can like create depth and parallax in Maya by, by click of a couple of buttons. And I was just like, oh, that sparked an idea. So, you know, started chatting to Andrew and say, listen, instead of using the traditional approach which we may, might have done with a 2D project is like, you know, in After Effects, you have your, your cards of your artwork and you arrange it in space in Z-Depth. Let's do it in Maya and then we can take it a step further and actually project the artwork or we lay out the cards in, in Maya and then the hero objects or the foreground objects, we can actually project, you know, onto... 3D models that we kind of build out as volumes. So we get that extra level of parallax when the camera moves. Um, so that's where it started. Um, and then uh, the next year, uh, Isora then went to the back burner for a bit because we had a lot of other projects to be working on. And then the next year, um, Cape Town actually hosted the animation festival. 
and uh, guess who was a speaker at the, um, at the festival? It was Akira. And then they, she presented one of their latest projects. Um, it, it, I think that was called Three Trees. And also beautiful, beautiful 2D aesthetic, just beautiful lighting, hand, handmade aesthetic. But the part that caught me was they made it an Unreal Engine. So that's where the penny dropped. Okay, cool. This is how we're going to do it. So basically, we, ch we started chatting to them. They helped us so much, just guiding us to like the workflow and who to chat to. Um, then we found a company in South Africa, probably like the smartest dudes I've, I've ever met, like technical director guys. They built custom tools for us um, to get our art. Basically, so it's like an idiot like me can even do it myself, like uh, get the artwork from like Photoshop to Maya and then set it up in Maya and then the click of a button, get everything into Unreal shaders being set up all of that um so they built all these tools for us which i thought was like just such an incredible thing that is really um, exciting i mean i can't think of like you when you think of your typical animation studio you know they either do 2d or they do 3d or separated they don't have this completely integrated project where they're using unreal engine and maya and photoshop and yeah. all these things in between that sounds really fun yeah, that's, that's um, what i said earlier. it's cool to be like a quite a smaller studio then you can kind of do little things like this um, but yeah, then we, then we um, started, so the, actually a part of the reason why we wanted to do it in Unreal as well, um, it's not just because it's cool, but it is amazing. But um, so for example, if we've got to make an episode of 22 minutes with a small team like ours, we need to be able to do that. Um, so the idea would be to like build all these assets, you know, like 2D assets, like for example, uh, if we're creating a jungle scene, a library of like palm trees and rocks and like textures or whatever and unreal is so incredible it's real-time feedback you can literally build like a whole environment basically paint all these like assets like 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 sims almost like you remember that game the sims yeah like, you can basically paint and create this world um with all your assets um everything is real time you can actually um what what, what we also did for isora is we use an ipad as in cap as a camera to capture the handheld data and then port that back into to unreal so we can, and you can also move stuff around, director can have real-time feedback. So that's a big reason why we also did, or followed the Unreal route. And um, a cherry on the cake was that Unreal actually gave us a mega grant when they when they heard about the project. So, oh, wow, nice. Yeah. So, so say I'm working in a 3D studio right now, what I'll typically do is like block everything in and have it all, and, and do all the animation, everything unrendered and then send it to rendering but you're saying with unreal you don't have to do any of that it's just nail on the that's... head exactly like i'm yeah. sure i'm sure you know how painful rendering sometimes is uh, we all know that so yeah the beauty of unreal is just it's, it's real time and um you can get very amazing results with that nice um are there do you want to talk more about asora and 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 where that's going i because i also want to know kind of um in general what the direction of your studio is now that it's you know you're nine years in you're working on a series right now. Like, what is that ultimate goal that you're trying to reach for? Yeah, sure. Uh, I guess the last thing about Isora, like, I was more involved in the art direction of things. Um, so, with, with Isora's art direction, um, Andrew and myself, we actually did a recce to Mozambique. Um, so we went, we went to the fishing village where the story is set, and I mean that is a rural, a remote, remote part in Mozambique. So we drove for like hours and hours to get to this this village um, and we took thousands and thousands and thousands of photos just to get a very authentic look like that was our main objective with this is to get an authentic look 
something that looks like Mozambique, which is quite unique in its own way because unique uh, um, Mozambique is a, is a, has got a tropical climate. So the textures are so beautiful and raw and like it's water damage and moss. And they went through a civil war. So there's a lot of like broken structures. So we really tried to capture that in also the trailer by using, that's why the backgrounds, we decided to go with a very painterly um, look, you know, like uh, one thing that um, I remember Patrick O'Keefe, the guy who art directed um, Into the Spider-Verse, they didn't use lens effects like depth of field to blur the background to draw your attention or like lens flares, that kind of stuff. Everything is true to like a comic book, what you can achieve with a comic book art. So we wanted to do the same with Isora, um, you know, go for like a very uh, traditional oil painted look. So if you want to do uh, depth of field, you kind of have to paint the edges softer and lower the contrast to make sure you can focus on the, on the focal point um, and get those beautiful textures that we saw in Mozambique. And a, a very interesting thing that we picked up um, while, we were, while we were going from like the city of Maputo, which is like the capital, is the color palettes. So um, there were a lot of, a lot of reds, because Coca-Cola is a huge sponsor there. Um, yellows, MTN is their main cell phone brand. They've got a yellow. Then you've got the black, and that's like their main beer brand, all those signage there. And obviously a lot of greens of the foliage and stuff. But then as we moved into the more remote areas, the more rural areas, the, the color palettes became way more um, earth tones and um, very more, much more subtle. And uh, I remember there's like the boats, the dowels that they use for fishing, like most of them were painted with this blue color. So we've got this earth tones and the blues and yeah, those, those little things are, are the things that we kind of really wanted to integrate into the, the artwork to give that authentic look. You said you took thousands of pictures. Are there any like kind of Easter eggs you put into the show so far of very specific <laughs> things that you thought were cool or interesting when you were there? I'm trying to think now. It was actually quite a while ago that we made it. Maybe, I don't know. Actually, I actually don't know. It would have been cool though. <laughs> well, it, it's it's really insightful for me to learn all this from behind the scenes because just watching it, you know, it's a it's like this overwhelming, beautiful trailer for this really cool show. And then you learn all the history, well, the history, all, all, all that went into it and it, it makes it even more rich. Um, so so let's chat about Lucan overall. Like where, what is your, what is that? So you started this off because somebody was like, hey, let's invest in you because um, you have something cool. And now suddenly nine years later, you're creating this big project. You've got a lot of commercial things under your belt. Like what is, what is the goal that you want with your studio? Um, yeah, so I think the way forward at the moment, we are just, we're just really enjoying working on this, uh, the more IP development side of things, creating like trailers, um, more long format side of things and, and brand films. Like I guess any studio wants that creative control, having a voice, um, it just some, not always, but sometimes it feels working with um, agencies, you kind of, uh, you don't always get to make things the way you were hoping to. Um, so with, with these kind of work, with this kind of work we're doing now is like, we've got so much creative control um, and we get to experiment, you know, like using Unreal, for example, like we, we made that call and we did it. So I guess that's kind of the, the goal is to find more work like that and continue doing that. And then obviously develop you know, Isora, um, actually make Isora and um, even more uh, kids series on the way. Nice. What, what about for you personally? Like you love the art direction side of things and I'm assuming you also have to be heavily involved in the business side of things too now. Yeah. Um, but what is, what is your, your goal for yourself through all of this? 
Yeah, so um, I still have that that fire of uh, fine art and uh, painting and drawing. So I really, the last two years, I really started focusing on a lot of oil painting, traditional oil painting. So um, yeah, I guess I, I can I can see myself when I'm an old man, like in my underwear, painting with my easel somewhere in Spain. That's my my dream, I guess, just like a traditional artist. <laughs> I mean, what's stopping you from? From doing that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do right now. After painting in your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I really, yeah, I'm really going to pursue the traditional art side of things, but obviously, um, you know, alongside growing Lucan. Yeah. Is is there like a is there like a big vision of something you want to accomplish through your paintings or or whatnot? Like, do you do you want people to look at them and feel a certain way? Do you have something in your mind that's an idea that you want to get out into the world, or is it? more of a like a relaxation enjoyable experience type of thing yeah for me it's absolutely a, a relaxation thing i think once you start making something your job you kind of blur that line a little bit so that's why i love oil painting so much at the moment because lucan is my job and oil painting is my release you know from yeah. stress so yeah i understand that cool well th well thank you so much is there anything else you wanted to to share or or pieces of wisdom that you wish you had along the way that you want to hand over <laughs> Yeah, shit. Um, for sure. Like uh, maybe when, when I was like for your younger listeners, um, something that, uh, that, that that's very profound for me now is like, what is your, your why? You know, like what is your reason for doing something? And I mean, that plays a huge role. For example, if you want to learn Odini, I'm just like spitballing it. But if you want to learn Odini um, and you don't have a very well-defined, clear why you're doing it, you know, the first Friday night when all your mates phone you and say, hey, let's go for drinks, you know, what's going to stop you and say, no, listen, I'm going to actually like buckle down and, and learn Houdini because it's such a huge time investment and energy. And if you half ass it, you're just like wasting time. So if you've got a strong why and a strong reason, then that's like half the battle won, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's the one thing. And then the other thing that I also struggled with a lot was um, that's fear of failure. So now for me, it's just like, you know, fail fast, fail as fast as you can, iterate as much as you can. And then, you know, once you kind of know exactly what you want, then you start developing it. How do you, how do you fail fast? You um, just like, don't become precious about your initial ideas. You, you know, if, for example, if you are working for like a su supervisor or something, you know, if you've got 10 days to do something, Instead of spending eight days crafting this perfect thing before you pitch it to your supervisor, maybe spend three days coming up with like 20 really shitty ideas, but maybe that one um, is great that the supervisor loves and then you start developing what you need to develop. Yeah, there's there's almost like this perfectionism mindset. As I feel especially in artists where it's like you take the first thing and you just see it to the end degree. Yeah. And it turns and out know. to not even be the best thing. And, yeah, and like, exactly. from my from my experience in the business world, yeah, like you have to fail fast and often because like when your money is on the line and you invest it on one thing and it doesn't turn out, like what are you gonna do? So totally. Yeah. Um, I'm also like, one basket. I also like what you said about figuring out the why. Mm -hmm. And and I get this a lot in animation specifically. People will say, like, I'm gonna pursue animation on the side as a hobby, and then maybe in 10 years I'll be able to enter the industry. And it's like well, if you don't go all in, you're not going to really get anywhere very fast or at all. You have to take that risk and and figure out what that why is for you and, and go for it. So, yeah, totally get Absolutely. those things. Cool. Is there anything else you wanted to share? No, I mean, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you for your time. It's been lovely chatting.
Yeah, yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Vian. It's uh, been great to hear about you know your your journey and Lucan and Nisora, and and uh, I can't wait to see when it comes out. Hopefully soon. You'll have to get yeah, that. Yeah, I'm also pumped. Can't wait to just start making it. Amazing. Well, thank you. And if you're listening and you want to um, see the trailer for Asora or some of the concept work and the rest of uh, what, what Vian's talked about, you can check out Lucan's website or their Instagram. And I'll include both those links in the description of this chat. Thank you so much for listening. That's all for now. Okay, bye. <laughs>